This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. Once there was a civilization, much like ours, but with a greater intelligence, greater powers, and a greater capacity for good. In one tragic moment, that world was destroyed. But there was one survivor. Because of the wisdom and compassion of Jor-El, because he knew the human race had the capacity for goodness, he set us his only son. His name is Kal-El. He will call himself Clark Kent. But the world will know him as Superman. This year, Superman brings you the gift of flight. Superman, the movie. You're listening to TV at my dinner. My name is Sean, and I am returning with Greg and Andrew. What's up? You ate my dinner returns. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about Superman. Like the last episode we opened with saying, we're going to talk about Superman. And like didn't for like 40 minutes. And then we started talking about Superman. And you started and you talked about everything you'd already talked about. And then now yeah, it's time to go. Well, it was a check To reiterate my point. Yeah. I just, just wanted to once more remind you that I think I'm right. <laughs> Stay classy, San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're really going to talk about Superman. Tonight, tonight we're really going to talk about well, what Superman. What do you think about We are not going to talk about the Man of Steel. We're going to talk <laughs> about the really the, the Christopher Reeve Superman. We could do, as a retrospective, we could go back pretty far. Oh, yeah. Because Superman has been around pretty much as long as pop. Are you serious? Pop I just watched every episode of Lois and Clark. I thought we were going to do that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I watched the George Reeves show yeah. and the old And Superman I watched all the Flasher <laughs> yeah, I just caught up on flying. Yeah, we did have a long discussion about like All Star Superman, so we we covered the the gamut. <laughs> but yeah, especially in light of Man of Steel, I found it illuminating to actually go back and look at because we were talking about because I think the, the what makes the argument interesting is we were talking about that that classical aesthetic versus you know reinventing the story in Man of Steel which is what they do but it's interesting to see uh, that play out because we had Superman Returns and before I watched the, the, the Christopher Reeve movies again I did probably the most interesting experiment which was just to watch Superman Returns and be like huh are you going backwards and then immediately turned around and watched <laughs> the Superman the movie like and that actually kind of fired me up because it made me think you know what Superman Returns does not work as an homage to this film it it seems to blatantly plagiarize elements of this film yeah they fool us with the music in the intro that's what they did they do they're like the score fools us this is gonna (laughs) follow the Richard Donner films it'll fit in with those it's like but it's not it's such a brick by brick retelling of that first movie. Yeah, pretty much. Even I mean, down to certain lines and scenes, and even where the scenes themselves don't well, match up. Well, even the same plot. The plot you know, progression. Lex Luthor pretty much had the same plot. It just 
And the plot of the film is the same. It's like, you know, okay, this happens. Superman reveals himself. He has saved Lois from this thing, but now it's not just a crashing helicopter. It's got to be bigger, so it's a... Well, except that he's know. a stalker. A 747 that <laughs> got launched into space by a space shuttle. or something. I didn't quite understand it was, what I was Well, did you notice that the pilot was Richard Branson? <laughs> no, I didn't yeah, that. so it was like the supposed to be like the first suborbital space, space flight or commercial sub suborbital flight. And yeah, so that was the whole thing, and then that that was their big set piece. But it ends the same where he even has the same line where he says, "I hope this doesn't put you off from flying." It's statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. It's like the line from Superman the movie, and he flies away and Lois faints. It's like the same scene. Mm-hmm. It's like, so you're just dinking around doing an homage, playing around it's with ca- that movie. It's kind of like the Phantom Menace of the Superman thing, because like you watch it and the music starts, and they have all the cool lightsaber parts, and they have, I mentioned Star Wars again, but like, it has the Superman <laughs> coming in, and that's a, great, that's a great scene, though. I mean, the airplane thing, you're like, oh my god, this is cool. But it's the same kind of thing. It gets you excited and kind of heartfelt, and I loved that movie for two or three times I watched it, but then it's... I watched it yeah, again. I, well, like, you know, I even like the, the, the homage stuff. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with them, you know, repeating lines and things like that. The thing that got me, that, that disappointed me, was the Lex Luthor's uh, evil plan. And this wasn't, you know, it wasn't a well, very good plan. Dumb. It was a dumb plan. But, but, uh, let me preface by saying that I do like Superman Returns, though. It's not a Phantom Menace to me in that sense. I The, the charm of Superman Returns does well, it's better than Phantom Menace, that. but it's just... Yeah, I enjoy that movie. It's the same but, effect, I think. The nostalgia takes hold, and it's very I would powerful. Say, yeah, I would say, actually, that uh, Superman Returns is more akin to Lethal Weapon 4. Where <laughs> That's a reference. It's like you're watching... or. or where you're watching it going, this really doesn't hold up as its own film. Like, when you're watching Lethal Weapon 4, it's like, this is such a just elbow-to-the-ribs nod to the audience. They're like, look, we're, we're making another Lethal Weapon! And I'm really too it's old funny. for this shit. Yeah. And now we've got Chris Rock! Because, whatever, people like him now, we're fighting Jet Li! It must be a real movie! It's like trying so hard. Why is everybody back? Why is Joe Pesci still hanging out with him? Why are all these people here? And th- and that's what Superman Returns was like. It's like you never, you're, you're taken too far out of the story. The story doesn't feed itself at all because the story is just like, see, it's Superman. It's got the music, and it's like, and this is like that scene in that other movie. Like the, Superman Returns doesn't really work as a movie, out if you haven't seen Superman the movie. Because it's so built on being a takeoff of that movie. Well, again, but well, then it doesn't really work in light of that movie either. It's like it's like we talk about the requel, which is like the sequel that also sort of is a remake. But this is like it doesn't work as a remake. It's like the unquel. It's like it doesn't work as either. It's like this movie doesn't stand on its own, and it doesn't complement those other films. So it's fun because we like to see that throwback. We like to hear that music, you know. And I love to see Superman on the big screen, you know. Period. Well, I mean, like I said, if it wasn't for the for the silly, you know, evil plan, it had some pretty good themes in it. You know, I like the idea of of the, if they were going to do a sequel about you know Lois and uh, Superman having having a love child apparently and that was a neat yeah, idea that, you know that would be something that could have been cool to carry forward and uh you know so it's it had some cool things but it just you know 
they 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 started off with a with a bad evil plan that just didn't work. Well, the Lex Luthor stuff didn't work yeah. at all because it was again it was just a bigger version of of his same plot from the first movie. But in Superman the movie, Lex's plan makes a lot more sense. It's it's equally idiotic in the sense that you wouldn't get away with that because you bought up all that land and then you blew up California. You couldn't just <laughs> cash in on that deal. <laughs> so, but you know, obviously the, you're the you're dots, a maniac. Right? <laughs> so you think that'll work because you're crazy. And there's not a lot for but Superman there's... to do because of that plan until the end of the movie. It's like, that's why people complain there's not a lot of action in it because it's, but there's just, I mean, it does play like a sequel in that way that he, the, the, the drama through the first, like three fourths of that, it's just the whole Lois and Clark or Lois and Superman thing. You're yeah, like, who cares back. if you're just watching this from the beginning? Like, who are these people? Why does she care? You know what I mean? It's a very, it's true. It's like, you have to have seen and have to be on, in bo- on board with all that kind of junk to actually care about it at all. And even then, it's a little, like, just, I always found it that parts that are the weakest. Like, he's outside her house just <laughs> spying on her stuff. It's like, I mean, talk it's about weird. people are pissed off about this. I mean, we're going to Manicelium, but, like, that going away from the character, I think that's a little weird. I mean, it's just, it ends up being, and not that it's, like, again, I mean, realistic, I guess he would do that. I don't know. It just seems a little lame. <laughs> like if you just want him know. to be that seems like Superman was raised better than that to be staring through people's walls yeah he shouldn't be doing that but he also shouldn't be like it just that's a weird he's also got Superman things to do the problem is that in Superman the movie the reason that Superman doesn't have anything big to do till Lex comes along is because they spend the first half of the movie establishing his origin and all this stuff yeah. So, you know, you're an hour and a half into the movie before that plot comes to be because we've done all this other stuff. But in Superman Returns, they follow the same plot progression, but there's no story reason that justifies why he is completely oblivious to what Lex Luthor is doing. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, in the comics, like, like Superman has, like, a gigantic key that only he can move, and that's what unlocks the Fortress of Solitude. And in the movies, you know, Superman 2 included, they just fly up. In Superman 2, I mean, not jump the gun, but Lex kind of seems to find the Fortress of Solitude by accident. Yeah. But, so it's not just the fault of Superman Returns, but but you get this feeling like his Lex's whole plot is that he's come to the Fortress of Solitude and stolen all these crystals and stuff. And that's, the, that's where his plan comes from. So it's like, you really should have had that stuff locked up if... If he there's crystals in this the fortress of solitude that you can just drop in in water, and it just makes a whole island of kryptonite. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean that's something you should keep under lock and key, man. And plus, <laughs> don't hide it nice. If it's just touching water makes it like destroy half the planet, don't hide it off in ice in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> that's just irresponsible. Bad man. But that's Bad not man. what I mean. That that's dumb story stuff. But you could forgive that to a point. But that's where the movie didn't connect with the mainstream audience because you had to just enjoy the the nostalgia of those old films being represented in that one to like that movie. Well, and, and like you it's said, like, it, it didn't it doesn't grab stand a new on audience. its own because I mean, the, if you hadn't seen the previous movie, there's a lot of loose ends. Like, why is there a love child? I mean. It won't. Yeah, what are they even talking about? It plays like it's a sequel to the original film and the things they're talking about. 
But, but see, I mean, the reason why it works is because like all the Superman movies are kind of like that. I mean, because Superman is a very weird character if you think about it. I mean, for me at least, because to me it's like one of my most beloved. I mean, I like it. when I was a kid it turned into Batman, but Superman's always my favorite. Like ever since the look, you know, it's like a very powerful cultural figure. So you watch, so when you watch these movies, like like when I was going into like looking forward to Man of Steel or Superman Returns, you're watching. It's like I just want cool Superman stuff. Like that'll be enough for me. If they just have awesome Superman moments. The movie could be crap, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times in movies, I mean, except the first one, but the first one, I mean, it's dated, and that's what kind of makes it a little bit weaker. But it, it's not a perfect movie by a lot of means. You know what I mean? It has weird, you know, time backwards stuff. It's just not a. It's just as weird in a lot of ways. But it, it's it's hard to judge him because you. It's such he is such a powerful character throughout those things. So when you watch him, when you even watch Superman Returns, it's like oh, it's a pretty good movie. I think. I don't know. It's like because that yeah, part where he like dies almost. It's kind of sad, and emotional. Like, oh my god, Superman's dying! Like, it'd be and that's <laughs> a fun part of the movie. Yeah. There's the, the themes they explore in the movie are fun. There's like there's a great scene. Like the the movie is the salvation of that movie is where he flies Lois up again. A direct you know beat taken straight from the first movie where he just takes her off the roof of the in this the the Daily Planet and flies her around for a while but it's a neat scene by itself because he's flying her up and saying you know from up here I can hear everybody crying for help like you say the world doesn't need a savior but I hear people every day crying out for one it's like that's like a an awesome heartbreaking sort of Superman right. moment that's real and 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 works by itself it's it's one of the few moments of the movie that that earns its place in the story and that's that are, what you could say was missing out of her. Keep talking about Man of Steel. It's going to be our Prometheus this year. Take a shot. If you, that's the part that you could have added to Man of Steel. Is like, because they hit on that when he's a little kid. Like, that he hears all these things. And he, I mean, not that, it, but that just he can't control, you know, the world coming in. You know, she says, make it smaller or whatever. But if they had had more of that, like, if they had had that scene, that would have been great. Because well, they have to, in their own time, I think they mean They'll get to that, like yeah. We were saying, it looks like this is we're not jumping ahead to the Superman that you're familiar with. We're trying to show you, it's like a Batman begins. We're trying to show you how he starts out with that, you know, sensibility, but becomes that. And, but that's what I think when people look at Man of Steel and they criticize it and they look through all these other ones, they're like, Oh, it had such a great, but that's such a great moment. I was like, but was that movie great overall? It's like, no, it wasn't either. Yeah, like none of these are like perfect overall, sense. but they have great moments. They're great. He's that's it's, that's what I'm saying. He's a very, I can see why it's just even throughout these movies, because in this discussion, people have started talking about the first and second one, and then they start saying, "Well, I was like, well, you point out flaws with that, and those, those detractors of Man of Steel will be like, well, you know, I didn't like that either in those movies.' I was like, well, so what are we talking about? I was like, he's <laughs> such a, it's such a weird character to judge these movies wise because they're, he's totally, he exists totally on the strength of, you know, his godlikeness or like where our affection for him in that same now, way. I do th- also think that we have a hard issue with nostalgia it's like i think like give people 20 years and they'll be looking back fondly on man of steel like why don't they make movies like that it's like yeah i feel like people are probably fonder of these christopher reeve superman films now in retrospect than they were at the time they came out you know the same level of criticism would have been valid then but there's just something very sweet about that way of making movies and we just have i mean a lot of times that whole style a lot of times now we have the internet too, because back then you see the first, second, third. 
you saw the third and fourth one, which are like horrible. I love the fourth one when I was a kid, but those are horrible movies. As far as oh, like, well, we, we but, should get into that because that is. But that back is then, true. you just there, saw there are it. redeeming qualities of just about all of them, but not the fourth. But one. when you're a kid, if you saw it or whatever, you're like, mm, okay. Because I remember watching fourth one a this billion times when I was. I probably seen the fourth one more than any of them. I just thought it was fun when I was a kid. I just for some reason I thought it was awesome. But you, but you just okay, and it'd probably be ten years before I ever talked to it to somebody about it but now it's like gotta get on the message boards and, and immediate re- reaction yeah. you gotta start don't let stuff process and think about it and <sighs> that's why it's so important to me to see a movie like right when it comes out because I, I was already behind on Man of Steel because I didn't get to see it the second it came out I was like the last thing I want is to hear what anybody thinks about anything to do with this movie yeah I hate when people don't it's like there's like oh, I won't spoil it for you it was like it was okay I was like stop I don't care about what you stop talking to me about it yeah, don't even imply yeah, what it was because you already Hasenberg principled me principled right me. That's, that's what my brother was talking about like, like I didn't like people tell him I thought it was good it's like don't tell me that because I know what you like it's like now I know things that happened based on what I know you would think was good so now I'm going to be watching it waiting it's like is this the part that you liked I was like he, he likes action stuff so maybe there's going to be action stuff in this but but yeah, it's, it's like I'm like that. I don't want anything to sort of poison my initial impression of a movie when I go see it. We just have, I mean, people have a very, we've talked about this before, like opinions. This is even a wider discussion now. But in general, like opinions, like people like feel like a real power in their opinion. And like, and I feel yeah. like on, on this show, like I don't really feel power in my opinion at all. I just love discussing why it made us feel certain ways. You know, it's like, that's interesting. I I don't think that worked as well, but I don't, I could totally change that. You could convince me right now to think something differently of it. But people like saying, like containing it and going, yeah, that's pretty good. That's well, the best that's, one. I the love me, it. The internet generation is like a me generation because that's why there's so many outlets that are simply output. They're like, oh, I'm just going to post what I think. It's like, there's no, I'm not interested in what other people think. I just want to put stuff out where they can think what I think. It's such a funny, because that's what I like about the podcast. We're very... We're very bold in the things we say, but it but it's an ongoing discussion. Yeah, because the next week I could change like, my mind. I don't really. Know. Yeah, and it turned out to be wrong. Yeah, I, it wasn't that long ago that this whole Superman Returns argument of like we want them to keep the classical visual of the kid. Like, I, yeah, I mean, this I've said this. This is I, I wanted that when Superman Returns came out. I supported that, and it wasn't that Superman Returns didn't show that that can't work, but because Superman Returns didn't work, that was the takeaway. So it, no one else can do that now. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Smith. I listened to in between our interviews. He had a on he did on his one of his podcasts. He has a, a Fat Man on Batman podcast. But they did a <laughs> Superman episode where he talked about and the one guy. I guess he does another some other guy he does a podcast with. He didn't like it, but Kevin Smith had a lot of really good points about it. He's like, yeah, there's stuff that I mean, because Kevin Smith wrote a Superman draft, a screenplay. Like what they were considering mm. doing at some point. The Tim Bur- that's the one that I don't know who During the Dark Days in yeah. the nineties. Yeah, so I mean he wrote a stuff and he was like having Nicholas Cage play Superman. Yeah, well that was yeah. but he was saying that there's some stuff from this that's from his screenplay too, which he thinks is kinda of funny. He's like, I think they got that from mine. Like he's like, That's kinda of flat and they must have read like 'cause this a couple of the same producers that just stayed on it forever, you know. So these ideas have accumulated, but he was he he had the great point in. He's like he enjoyed it. and He liked it. I mean, he also liked Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> but yeah, he, so. but he's also gone down that since then. But he liked it, and he was talking about the stuff that he thought was really effective. And but he, he was very he felt that he almost sounded exactly like us because he's like 
but you know what? It's like, yeah, there's some stuff I would have done differently. You know, I don't know if I like that part or that part. He's like, but you got to play the ball where it lies. That's what he kept saying. He's like, this movie is a direct response to Superman Returns. And like, yeah, all these movies are direct responses to each other. And so, yeah, I might have done something different, but or wanted different parts, but this is how they wanted to take it. And based solely on what Superman Return was, you know, it's a total rejection of what that was. And we have to try something and do something completely different. Well, what's funny to me is watching Superman the movie, which, you know, like we say, there, there's some elements to it that are silly or dated, and, and it has, you know, an absolutely absurd ending. But that movie blows me away watching that movie. Yeah, it's impressive. A, a representation of Superman, especially when you think about the way Superman, that's Silver Age, like, the Superman of the comets of that time was ridiculous. So that movie was very sophisticated. That's what's funny, like, when people take a, a Man of Steel and they're like, well, I don't want to see them modernizing. Like, but you can imagine people watching Richard Donner's Superman movie saying the same thing, saying, I don't like to see, you know, Lois Lane smoking cigarettes or whatever, wearing pantsuits. <laughs> but, like... It's, it's in its interesting own that those fashion. same kind of arguments go on in church. <laughs> About pantsuits? Well, pantsuits, cigarettes, women doing this or that. Or, or, I mean, really are just, you know, people Good going. Lord, what kind of church you go to? People, no, not in my church. But, but Women people, aren't allowed to wear pants in your church? In some Baptist churches, not mine. But uh, That's funny. Now, it's 20 years later, the church gets that argument. <laughs> but but now what I'm saying is, you know, it's, it's sort of interesting that later. people have these strong feelings about the way things should be. And, uh. It's it's very similar in the church, and and we've you know we're all the time comparing Superman to to Jesus, and and so it it continues on. I mean it, it it's, it's very interesting about how or, how I mean how Superman parallels Christianity. I mean, and not not even when they ham fisted well, the purpose. I don't think it's a, unintended. I think from the beginning of the character. I mean, you've got that. I mean, that's sort of like I keep saying read super gods like read Grant Morrison's book because he really looks at the mythological roots of superheroes in general I mean superheroes as an idea are a modern mythic yeah they're mythic sort of characters story. Yeah. I mean that's what they are that I mean it's not accidental people are always congratulating themselves for discovering this but they always have been had had that mythical quality we've always had Hercules we always had Zeus we always had uh, yeah, we always had see, heroes at. with superpowers. It's just now we're sort of understanding that. But it, what what I think is funny in that, though, is, you know, as far as people rejecting the modern interpretation, it always seems like we're, we have this displaced nostalgia where we can't accept something as it is given to us. We can only retroactively accept it. So it's like now we look back at the Superman, the Richard Donner Superman, and it's like, oh, that's a very classical interpretation of the character. It's like, but at the time, it was a very bold interpretation of the character. And that's hard to, to digest, to think, like, really? It's like, yes. But what, 1979? Is that when it was made? It, it was a modern idea. And it was progressive for movies in general. Blockbusters were young then. Making a blockbuster film out of Superman was a very progressive idea. It was a very modern movie big budgets and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we look at the tights and we think, you know, oh, well, that's that's hard to swallow. But it wasn't five years ago that bef- before the new 52 and, and the new 
comic book came along, I was like, they'll never change the Superman costume. Superman costume is classic. It would be silly to ever try to change that costume and make it more modern because it's a man in tights. Mm-hmm. But they did, and it looks awesome. So what do I know? <laughs> Even in the comics, it's different. It's like, it's it's funny how quickly never gets invalidated or how quickly something becomes the way things always were. Because it's, yeah, I mean, I watched, I was, say, I was telling Greg before this, I didn't, in preparation for this, I didn't watch all of the Superman movies. I did watch Superman Returns, but then instead of that, I watched this big documentary about the whole character. And it's interesting because they, I mean, it's just like any classic thing because, you know, it started in the, shoot, like, uh, Siegel and them and the other guy in the 30s and all the stuff and with the action comics and all the stuff. But then once they hit into the 40s and 50s, like the radio show, like that radio show is the things that added all of his powers and stuff. Kryptonite. A, it made him fly. Kryptonite made was Kryptonite, invented in the yeah. radio show. Made it to Perry White, made it to Jimmy Olsen. Like all these classic things came from that radio show, which aren't even in the comics. If you look at some of those action comics, the beginning ones, he's kind of a douche. Like he's kind of a, he, he's much different character back then. He's a much, he's like a social crusader and he's not the boy. He didn't become the boy scout he is now until like World War II. And it became much more kind of propaganda that's so yeah, cool wait, to, to study the that American kind of way, thing, to yeah. watch the evolution of a character like that. Yeah, That's because really he started cool. during the Depression, so he was a social crusader, and he would go and get the mayor and take him, this guy that was treating his factory workers wrong, and he would go take him down the jail. Throw him in a river. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he wow. was really like, like the people, like, <laughs> but like innocents that were like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, get out of my way. I got something to do. <laughs> like, he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was just, and I think it's interesting like that. If you watch that and you see... Just over time, all these things got introduced, and you, like like you said, it's like well, these things it ha- you have to keep adding to the mythos and adding to the character, or else we just don't see that now because we only see what is this year. But like our our, our we our, don't get that perspective. Our span That's- of experience is like a month long. It's like that was weird. Like because even Batman Begins, we're saying, I remember people. I told you when I walked out of Batman Begins, and I was with Ashley, my cousin, and she saw some friend that she knew and he was like this big comic book guy and i was blown away by batman again so it's like holy hell i was like that mm-hmm. was that was impressive that's what i've always wanted i wanted a fresh take like that that's realistic and just grounded and now i actually think it's a little goofier than you know it's compared to dark knight it's a little goofier but just compared to what everything before it, it was impressive that and, shows you how quickly that evolution really but happens. I walked out and I remember this guy said this. I think I told you this on the other episode. She's like, oh, that was great. What did you think of it? He's like, they're having this little kind of cabal, like talking about it right outside the theater. And he's like, he's like, well, I want to draw. I'm going to draw Batman when, like, when I get older because we were like, he's like 17. When I get older, he's like, so I have some opinions about it. Like, you know, I remember all these people. <laughs> okay. Like, I remember a lot of fanboys at the time still were, had issues with it. Like this is this is different. Like his suit doesn't look like that. His cape is cowl looks ridiculous. Like I remember all that stuff, and I I mean so, but then by the time the Dark Knight came out, people were just totally on board with that take on Batman now, and now Batman Begins is great now too. Like and those are the two that are the best, you know. So I think yeah, to the point like, where a Dark Knight Rises seems okay. Like now it's fine. It's yeah, they're like perfect. accepting of that. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I think people just have to like. You just don't. I mean, it's with these people characters kind of have become, to settle in. They have to settle into these new versions. Yeah. yeah, and and not to downplay what people think. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's one thing. But you know, and maybe you never will. But but it does seem like that people don't 
except it's it's funny to see something for the time that it's made in, and that's something that's difficult. Well, for something's people telling because I've heard a couple people that are big comic book fans that had problems with Superman or Man of Steel, and then they said that, and I'm sure this has happened for Superman the movie too, because you were a comic book fan at that time, like you said, this was a different take on it. But I've heard them say that, yeah, you know, if you love Superman and everything that he is and has been probably not gonna like it but if you just don't know much about superman you're gonna love it i was like well isn't that the point i was like so you're there supposed to expect that you're taking 80 years of history with they, you into yeah, the movie that they can speak to all the can i remember see i go my i'm a superman fan from way back i remember when and this had this was in the 80s i can't even remember what year it was but but they got in john Byrne, and he did a, a comic book called man of steel by the way yeah, they talked and about that in the thing. It redefined the character completely, and it was the first definitive thing that said, "We now throw out all the canon before this, and this reboots the character." And people were <laughs> going out of their minds. Yeah, but before people that, it was very what? piecemeal and stuff, and they were just kind of yeah, it didn't matter. It. There was no continuity. Just one guy said one thing, everybody said, another. but no one ever came up and said. I'm going to retell the origin of Superman <laughs> from day one. And it was like, that was the fresh new start for the whole DC universe. Because if you reboot Superman, reboot the world. I mean, that's what happens. You know, so, and people were flipping out. But, you know, now people will quote things that were established in that part of the country. Because one of the things Man of Steel came up with was the idea of Lex Luthor as this tycoon. You know, that was never part of the comics. You know, like Luthor right. was just this weird guy in purple tights who just hated Superman because Superman inadvertently did something that made him lose his hair. <laughs> I mean, it didn't even make sense. Yeah, he was originally like a mad scientist kind of type, but then they were talking about that Man of Steel's the thing that made him in the 80s that changed him into this billionaire, like yeah, a billionaire tycoon thing. Since our understanding of Superman right now, our modern understanding of the character, it still derives from that point that they rebooted they've, they've rebooted since the the new 52 was a reboot which is mo you know very recent like the last couple of years but but now you understand you know every now and then we have to refresh the character in the universe you know so it is funny to see a movie where everyone's like you can't do this like every time we've ever done anything with the character we redefined it Smallville redefined the character it retold the entire mythology of the character I actually want to watch Smallville now because they're showing a lot of clips of it Smallville is a lot of fun. You have to be patient, though. Because yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand. Years. But the yeah. first three seasons of Smallville contribute very little. <laughs> At some point, they just started saying, this is a comic book thing. And they started bringing in, like, awesome stuff. But it might be the season where they actually just, ah, oh, forget it. Let's bring in Green Arrow. And he becomes a character on the show. And then from then, it's just like whoever we can work in. And it became a lot more fun. But it is a good show. And it's. Again, a modern telling, but very, but very respectful of the core of what makes that character who he is. But you have to. I mean, the the character has evolved, and the the story has evolved, and and the mythology evolves over time. So you have to, you have to embrace that sort of change. I I, I think it's fun. I did watch all the. I skipped two because I just watched Superman two real recently. I have it on in in the background on mute right now. But but it is interesting. Any retrospective is interesting to do this way because it really shows you how the, the subtle differences that a few years will make in how a story gets told. Because 
you're watching them back to back like they're sequential. So you don't see those gaps in between. You're like, what is going on with this story? So, well, there's a lot of backstory going on. You know, so you have Superman, and then Superman built in its concept for the sequel. So Superman 2 is a direct extension of Superman. But then Superman 3, you're like, wait a second, what is Richard Pryor doing here? It's like, there's a whole lot of things you have to understand. Like, that's one of the movies that, like, actually needs a guy to come in. You gotta, there's a whole lot of things you have to understand about what was going on in the world when Superman 3 got made. It's like, you cannot just watch this movie cold. I've got, I've got to explain some things. Yeah, it's all First of all, Richard Pryor was very popular. (laughs) Like you got to understand that going in, it's like for box office they wanted something, and that'd and be funny if like there was like a money. little director, you know, like how some DVDs have a little director, like an snippet. audio commentary yeah. where we're just explaining well, just like, to you know, they what that, is like, happening two in the minutes world at the beginning of the movie, like where they kind of explain. It's like those movies on. that are sort of racist. So when they play them, they play, put a thing. It was a different time back then. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. do that to every movie. You have to understand that uh, Margot Kidder wasn't getting along with the studio, so they had to bring in Lana Lang. And uh, everyone was afraid of computers and thought that they could do anything. <laughs> like This is like one year before War Games came out, and War Games is another one of those. Scared, hackers, scared hackers the crap out of the whole anything. world. I remember there being special <laughs> reports about that movie. They could get in and do, and it's so funny. There wasn't even an internet then. It's like, what could they do? Nothing. <laughs> they got an 8K connection. To what? Like, they could really if launch that. nuclear <laughs> yeah. m- missiles if movies are to be believed. <laughs> but, but that's what like Richard Pryor is like. He's he's like an out of work guy who discovers that he has an aptitude for computers that gives him the ability to do almost anything with a computer. Yeah. So to the point where he takes over a satellite that is programmed to monitor the weather, like with the right reprogramming, you just hit a few buttons and it could control the weather. It's like, wait, why? <laughs> why can it do that? <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> I don't mean to slow you down there, Chief. We were on board with the, you know, the snowy mountain peak on top of the building and all that business. But let's go over the why can that satellite physically do that? Because they just, that was the device, like computers, that, that that was a time where it was a budding technology that people had a little bit of, a little bit of knowledge and a little bit more fear of. So you could say that, oh, he's a supervillain because he's good with computers. Because that's what people thought computers, if they didn't have computers at home, they didn't know anything about it. They just thought it was people behind the scene punching buttons. And that was a time like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's those, all those, those issues are like thematic issues, but... It's at a time when now we have a different thing where these DC and Marvel have such tight control. I mean, Marvel has their own studio doing these movies. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and DC's and DC, getting that way too now. Yeah, and DC is really involved with these now, you know. So, like, they had such tight control and, like, integrity of the character. Back then, it's like these guys, these Russian, the Salkine guys, they just bought the rights. And they just had the rights, and they could do whatever they wanted. I mean, and I'm sure whatever. they had some kind of sign-off, or, but they didn't. They could have just forced it through. So, I feel like those... Like, if you watch this, I mean, the, the kind of the making of things, because they got Richard, they, the first one, they're like, we're going to do this right. The only way this is going to work, if we're going to make this a serious movie, we're going to get Richard Donner, we're going to get Marlon Brando, who got paid a million dollars for like a day. It was like mm-hmm. insane at the time. Like, that was the highest, but he did like a day's worth of work. You get all these things to do it right. Gene Hackman. Which, which is actually, well, let me just, uh, which is actually why you see Lara, Superman's mom, in the second one, because they don't want to 
you know, give Marlon yeah, Brando another million bucks. Popping up in Superman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. One they of waited until after he things... was dead to come back in Superman Returns. <laughs> in Superman <laughs> Returns, they found some footage that hadn't been used in the film, so they had a little bit new, and then they reused some footage that had been used. I thought all that stuff was Yeah, great. all that stuff is was just... fun. Yeah, that's I all enjoyed t- that stuff. tear-filled stuff. But, like, but see, so they made it, like, they did it, and it was just this big artistic thing. And they're like, hold on. We need to save some money. We're going to shoot both of these at the same time. And it became this huge mess. And, like, Richard Donner is, like, a good, you know what I mean? He took it seriously and artistically for what they were doing. They found Christopher Reeve and everybody. They had they made some interesting choices. And they said they shot 70% of the second one, but it was just going out of control. Like, they were just fighting Richard Donner and, and those guys were like, let's just finish the first one. Mm-hmm. And it was just a real, because these guys wanted to make it, but they just wanted to make movies and money, you know. They they made Three Musketeers and Zorro or whatever. They didn't care. They, so they just wanted to make... And right. So and back, they got like the I end. said, the blockbuster was a new idea. So back then, it was just we bought the thing, cranked the guy, they got the guy in tights, yeah. Crank and it so out. like they got the guy and the artistic guy and they did it proper. But then that was just a, such a big pain in the ass. And then they got so they got their guy Richard Lester to come in to, to take over the second one. But he had to like back then you to say that you directed a movie, you have to shoot at least over fifty percent of it. So they had to go back, even though they had shot seventy or eighty percent, they had to go back and reshoot. Stuff they'd already shot, but now they kind of did it in a weirder way for the second one. And then they just said, eh, you can do the third one too, sure. But at that Whatever. point, they just don't care. And so he directed the third one too, and it's just like Well, because crazy. the first two, the, the whole idea was, you know, and still is, but it was even, even more so back then, was we're going to make a big movie, and then we get our built-in audience, and then each successive sequel will cost less money because we already have our built-in audience. So we keep, you know, and, and after that, you know, the direct-to-video thing happened. It wasn't, video wasn't as big a thing then. It, it was just coming around. But but the idea even in, like, that's why you see stuff, you're like, Jaws is an amazing movie. Why are there so many shitty sequels? It's like, because that was the formula. You had a movie, it was a real movie, it made real money, you're going to make sequels to it, but you're not going to spend the same amount of money. So each successive iteration of the story has lost a generation of quality. And that's just how it works. And that's Superman is a perfect example of that because Superman 3 was just like, what can we do? Like, I literally just... That'd be an interesting subject to discuss at some point would be the lost sequels. Like, that might have happened or the ones that no one ever heard of because they got so bad. Because it is, there is some interesting. You know, we can touch on uh, moving forward some of the the Superman movies that almost happened. Like Tim Burton one, Nicholas Cage. That would be an interesting like subject Greg to cover Mitchell. on a different yeah. podcast. Would be the Kevin uh, Smith one. Yeah, J.J. Abrams one. Yeah, there's a there's a big gap there. Yeah, and, and well, also, I mean, I'm not talking about just Superman. There, uh, I mean, there's odd sequels oh, for all kinds of movies out there. Yeah. Like, you know, there's an American Graffiti 2. There's mm-hmm. a Patton 2. Well, I mean... There's a, you know, there's a, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, sec- sequels that you don't ever there's hear There's a Titanic 2. That actually does exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> but that, well, I mean, but I'm yeah, like a sanctioned sequel. Them out. I mean, you know, you know, George Lucas directed American Graffiti 2. And it didn't do well. but So you don't hear about it now. Oh, I, I didn't realize that George Lucas actually directed that, did he? I believe he did. Well, I know he, look that up he produced it, at least. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. I like American Graffiti. I've, I've never seen this. Episode. I actually like American Graffiti, too. I mean, it's, it's I like it, too. Oh, sorry, I thought we were doing something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the second American Graffiti. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> it, it, well, well, I don't want to spoil how that ends. But, well, it, it ends and you see, kind of see something that, you know, is alluded to at the end of the first movie. And A Stormtrooper? So, so. The whole wrong <laughs> damn movie. Trying to keep up. <laughs> he crawls out onto the beach and sees the sun for the first Two time. Two suns? <laughs> damn, wrong movie. Were we talking about Star yeah, Wars? Lord, just mixing it up all over the place. Like, no, that was a THX reference. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> and then they had like oh, the hang glider, the motorized hang glider with the duck on it. What was <laughs> no, okay, sorry. <laughs> the, the ultralight, the guy in the duck suit. Oh, oh man. I, we should make it rule outside of this episode that, that, that we should add Superman to the drinking game. Yeah, oh, man of steel. <laughs> Superman is like is, is taking over every discussion. Well, because like Prome- it's the Prometheus and Dark Knight Rises of this year. Hey, yeah, it's, it's, it's the opposite, so though, because it's just it a conflicted... It's yeah, like, I, it, it isn't. It's it's very discussable because there's such a reaction to it. But as opposed to Prometheus and Dark Knight Rises, it's defensible to me. Like, well, that's why. But, that but that's why it's interesting because like but, we're on the yeah, other end of the, the boat on that one, and now we're on the it's other a, side. It's of the a discussion-provoking sort of movie as opposed to a lot of movies that come out. Like to me, we talked about Star Trek, but there wasn't to me. There's not a whole lot of discussion to have on. Well, that. it's just like when we talked about World War Z too. It's like, yeah, it's good. I liked it. It's like, yeah, and he's like, I didn't really like it. I thought it was boring. I'm like, okay. Maybe I don't like it yeah. now. <laughs> like, so well, the, I mean, most know, movies that come out are like, like that. Those, I'll see it on HBO movie? in a couple yeah. of years. Well, those I guess. movies are not movies that are going to put like a huge stamp on on the canon of some, you know, some some property that's dear to us. So you don't. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, I don't. Like, you, you know, don't, you know the movie when you want to like. Because I kind of still, I'm kind of itching to see Man of Steel again. Because now we've talked about it mm-hmm. and I thought about it so much, I kind of want to like freshly just see it now. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm gonna be happy for the Blu-ray because that'll give enough time that I'll get another fresh take on it. But I do enjoy the movie, and I do enjoy the idea of getting some distance from the trailer too, like to to just see it again a little bit fresher. But but I, I'm glad for that because most movies that come out. I, I, I could I could care one way or the other. I mean, we discuss them, and you know, to the level that I care because we talk about them. But but yeah, it is like I, like when Green Lantern came out, I was like, "What you? That was pretty good." And then I like got it on DVD. It's like eh, it wasn't that good. Yeah, <laughs> but still, there's not a whole lot of discussion. Like we did do, I I we did do a discussion where where I could tell you what I think went wrong as far as the making of that movie. But there wasn't a whole lot of deep discussion as far as the intricacies of the story. That's just, it was all mechanical. Yeah, watching it's it. Like, here's what went wrong with that movie. It's it's a, it's an engineering problem. It's not a storytelling problem that you have going on here. You didn't get far enough to have story problems. You have a moving parts issue. It's like talking about no Green Lantern? In, yeah, I, and it's just a lack of just any kind of imagination or wit to that script. Had, yeah, <laughs> I mean we we could get to the rest of it, but that's not the problem. It's like there's no sense in criticizing the paint when there's no engine. Yeah, <laughs> and seeing movies at home is the very sobering thing because what that, that two things happen either you go, oh, I don't know about this, or you're like. I like it. Like, what's I didn't like this. I mean, that happens more often than not that you like stuff more 
a lot of times when you see it. But I mean, sometimes it's so it's, fresh because yeah. you're not going in with any expectations. So you're sometimes not, you're like, you know what, this is good. And that's why, like, I like to see like Superman or something again, or those movies like that, because the first time you watch them, you're always waiting for the things to happen. It's like, okay, so what's going to happen in the end now? So what's going to happen? It's like, no, don't think about that. And I'll just watch it and appreciate it. Like, and you could just take in those moments that you didn't, you're waiting for to see what happens next. Well, that's that's Lynn's argument where she was saying, you know, people actually enjoy things if they've been spoiled. For well, see, them. I just watch it twice to do that. Though. If you know what, yeah, <laughs> me too. But but it's oh, but that's her argument. She's that, like, but when I don't you don't, agree. you're not sitting there going, I hope they don't screw this up. Well, I agree with know. that. But but if you just watch it once unspoiled, you get both experiences. Because in the same time, well, you get that experience. That's my position too. But I'm just advocating that that's where that comes from. That there's truth to that in the sense that you do on the second pass you can just enjoy a movie one way or the other for what it is and take it in for what it is. The first pass, you're just like, you have so many things like, oh, unless you just don't care about the movie, but like with a man, like a Superman movie, you're like, there's so many things like they're making new star Wars movies. The first time you see that new star Wars movie, you might as well just throw out like whatever anybody comes away saying. I mean, if they're totally blown away, maybe, but, but the, the reaction to that is going to be so difficult to right. gauge because there's just so much going in that you want it to be, and it's hard because like, I mean just, that main... it's so important to, to a lot of people. To well, it's almost again kind of like a religion, you know. If you if you do something that's against what you feel should be part of the universe, you're going to be very offended. Yeah, and that's what's so, hard too. I mean, I didn't. I mean, because you guys, I mean, I guess you saw Star Wars or in them in the theaters when you first. See, mm-hmm. I I just have memories of those being absorbed in my consciousness, so I don't even know. So it's like, oh, that was the first moment I watched Star Wars, and it blew me away. It's just like they have always well, been part of my. I don't have memory my, either. You know what I, I mean? Like I, I mean, was like, five years old when that movie came. And out. it's yeah, I don't. I remember actually getting sick and like missing half the movie. I remember trying to get in. I don't ever remember actually seeing the movie. I remember it being sold out, and we were trying to go see it. I re- I have a vivid a memory of that. It's just weird that, like, movies that we think are good, this is getting into a general discussion, like, the movies that we think are, like, very, like, just masterpieces, sometimes they don't, even, like, Dark Knight didn't even hit me. Like, I thought it was amazing, but I was just, it was so hyped, and everybody was loving it so much, it's just that was around everything, too. I was like, I thought it was good. But I just didn't, it wasn't until you watched it again, I was like, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> and What's <it's>, funny about <laughs> Dark Knight in particular is I had gone to see the the nine o'clock show of that, so it's like a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> so I was like hypnotized by it because I'm like so tired and it's going on. It's like so I'm taking it on on a totally different intellectual well, with, level. With that one, I you know I, I was pretty blown away on that one because it, it felt like it just grabbed me and didn't let go. Yeah, I mean I was blown away, but it's just sometimes it's like hard for me to really process. Blown. I'm, it's almost hard for me to get blown away. Like, I'm trying to think of the times I've been blown away in theater, and it might have been, like, in a sense, it's like, The Matrix was probably the only time I've ever been blown away in the theater. Like, holy hell, I was like, this is amazing. And it just, because it just totally floored me. And going back now, the movie's great, and it's perfect, but it also doesn't, because it just doesn't have a lot of emotional beats that resonate, and it's kind of, it's it's almost like you have to compare. I remember saying that when that movie came out. It's like, people are wowed by the effects, but it's going to seem Well, it's not just that, it's just the story, though. I mean, that story really hit, like... I almost compare it to like a song. Like it's just the main melody. If that main melody is really catchy and really pulls you through a song, like you can immediately hear it on the radio and go, "God, yes, that is great. That is a great song." 
And I'll tell you what worked in the Matrix, and it's what made that first one work, and one of the other ones don't. But uh, it's also plays out in a movie that I liked better called Dark City, which yeah. basically has the same story, where it's the reveals. Because yeah. it's a perfect, and there's actually when I was saying what the the engineering problem with Green Lantern is actually a problem with reveals because when in what works in the Matrix and what works in in Dark City in these movies is you have no idea what's going on, and yeah, that's exactly revealing it, it to you, and you're like, what the hell? Like in the Matrix, it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Yeah, and the like, Matrix so is the only by the way end, ever. it's not interesting because they're like, eh, they're just doing all these effects and fighting and stupid. Well, they you know, have a really stuff. good hero's journey, and he becomes, and he's like, he is the chosen one in the end. Like, yes, this is awesome, and that's what's kind of cool. I mean, it's just really well structured, like a really well told like hero's journey story will get you every time, at least the first time through. Because just like, geez, yeah, that was, one, I mean, yeah. that was great. I mean, and, and it's just really entertaining. The Matrix, it was exactly that, though, because that's the only movie that... It's, it's funny, because it's probably my most blown-away movie experience, because it's probably the only movie, 40 minutes into it, I felt I actually considered walking out. I've never walked out of a movie. But I was in high school watching, I was like, I'm going to walk out of this. This is the weird... I, I don't even know what is going on, because they're like... They're just, it's kind of boring, <laughs> too, if you don't stupid. know what's happening. They're talking to him, and he does a weird mouth thing, and then they put the stuff in him, and I was like, what is... I was like, I was getting That's so what frustrated really watching the it. They and then, take his mouth away and they put a thing in his belly button. Like, what? The it gets so frustrating happening? if you're just watching it, like trying to. Because <laughs> back then, too, that was a. I mean, this, we're gonna start sound like old people because I think my generation is the last of that. Because I remember that time it was the same time like as Fight Club and some other weird movies. Like, you would just see a trailer in the theater. That's it. Like once. And if you they had ads on TV before the movie came out, yeah, you saw those. But you didn't go online and watch trailers and watch these previews and mm. watch these featurettes and see these whole breakdown blogs That's about interview with the filmmakers. Have to compete on such a higher level. Like now you just, I, I so saw the Matrix just going. My friend goes, well, "Let's go see this Matrix movie." I'm like, oh, "All right." That's pretty cool, I guess. And now it's like, okay, hold on, let me go check around tomatoes. Hold on, let me check IMDb. Hold on, let me go Metacritic. Oh, no, it's a guy with 62. Was like, I don't know. People say and it's pretty good And then people don't ending. understand why they're not excited about a movie. By anything. <laughs> it's like you've ruined everything for yourselves before because you knew what all was going to happen. You saw all the pictures. You, you weren't surprised by anything going in. That's what, like, it's still funny every now and then. Someone will say, hey, because that's the way it was, like, kick-ass. Someone's like, you want to go see kick-ass? It's like, what is that? Like, oh, okay. It's pretty kick-ass. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea it was anything. I was like, oh, this is neat. This is, like, little superheroes and stuff. I didn't, I had no idea. I love trailers. and love getting excited so much, but I'm starting to get to the point where I don't want to watch them anymore. Sequester is better. You know, I, I, I have actually gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't, I'll, I'll be excited to see a trailer in the theater, but I will not watch a trailer on I've the, started turning like, them off. Like, I'll start watching the beginning. It's like, oh, cool, it's a sci fi thing. Okay, but I'm turning it off. I'll see it. Because, like, I know the, yeah, t- by the first at that point, yeah, if you're yeah. sold. It's like, because at the start- end of the trailer, they're just going to show the end of the movie. And they're just going to show all the action points and scary monsters. And it's going to get worse and worse because they're doing a marketing push to try to get you interested. So, you, like, when they're like, do you want to see trailer number three? It's like, hell no, I'm already sold. They're going to keep well, revealing by, by to trailer try number to three, you've, you've seen just about the whole movie. Yeah, because the, they're, the tra- they're selling it to the people who aren't sold yet. 
So I'm you sold. think the directors and and people who you know who actually make the movies would really? I guess fight they don't have any. I I had a conversation with a guy years and years and years ago, that, and we were talking about trailers. Like when we were talking about this is when we were talking about making movies. So that's how long ago that was. But and he was saying it should be a rule that they can't show anything in the third act in a trailer ever. That's all it they ever just show. Be though. a rule. <laughs> yeah, because that's because you can't argue the marketing. Like, look, there are people who might not have gone to see the movie if we didn't show them that. So we're going to show them that. Like, so don't blame us. Blame the people well, think, that don't have a sense of mystery and, and wonder. I almost think that it's bizarre to be key. Like, not that trailers are bad. It's just that they're not for me in the sense that. Like it's like yeah, because you know, Steel. like right it's now we're like, gonna go see that Star Wars movie. You knew you were gonna see Man of Steel. There was no like you're excited to see it because you want to get a glimpse. But yeah, you but knew it's you like were it's like Man crack. of Steel it's like, from the second they started making it. Yeah, like oh, here's a little here's a little taste. Like here here's a little more. Like oh well, god, I, I got got to have those it. movies. They probably don't have to worry about it so much. I mean, but but you know, in a smaller movie, uh, you know, you kind of have to have to assemble some of those elements, I guess, to to get people hooked. Yeah, well, you got to tell if, them if something. It's a, if it's a movie you don't know about. And you discover the trailer online, or if you see yeah, it. Yeah, and that happens. Or, I'll see trailers and go, I'm really interested in that movie. Yeah. But well, Elysium, to me, was like that. Yeah, I, mean, I never heard like, of Elysium. If you just said yeah. this guy from who did District Elysium was weird to me I because. Will, maybe I won't. I didn't like that first trailer that much. It just seemed kind of boring. And I knew that I was going to see it. It kind of hurt it. It's like, I need to see another trailer now just to make sure this is going to be something I want to see in the theater. And then I saw that other trailer. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like, this is what I want to see. Like, I just think that like those trailers, like for the Superman, we were saying it ruined those parts. I was like, but they ruined them for us because we're, we care about the character and we see those parts and then we're waiting for them in the movie. And then you see them in the movie. It's like, Oh, that was the big emotional part. I already saw it. But for but people I do who believe don't care, that's where that fanboy ch- backlash is coming from. Cause they already knew all the good stuff. Like, yeah. That kind of stuff. And, and kind of, it seems like it's discounted now. They're like, Where, where's all the, you know, I want the, the, the heart of the story. It's like, but there is, it's all heart. They just, they just blew their load at the beginning of that stuff. Yeah, They're like, here yeah. you go. All you were looking it. for some more. But like, yeah, that can't sustain That's that why I felt that hours. with Man of Steel too. Like, I like, it just, it wasn't overwhelming, like blown away by it just because you have that feeling because like, it's something that grows on even more just because it's like, oh God, I already saw that. The end of the movie, that cool scene with him, it's like, yeah, I already saw that though. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's, like, that's okay, why it'll be great. <laughs> or at worst, you're watching a movie going, well, I know it's going to take this turn because how are they going to end up in this place? I saw yeah. this scene in the trailer. The worst thing they ever do is like sometimes, most of the time when they show big action things and big whatever, it's like sometimes you don't remember it, but sometimes it's just so big and just kind of actiony stuff you don't care. But the worst thing in trailers is when they show like this, this, uh, the action part and then it gets quiet and he's like, Oh no, they're coming in the door. Like those parts, because like that's the part I'm gonna remember because I'm gonna be at that point. It's like, oh yeah, they come in right now. Like you know, like the deep blue sea. Remember they showed that trailer and showed them like breaking the tank and like flooding in. If you remember mm-hmm. that movie, because you remember that yeah. movie was horrible, but you remember that moment because in the trailer is like the big climax of the trailer. It's like, geez. But there again, they're trying to sell people. So, they but I think they do it. Just so, but it's not for us. So that's my point. I think they do it for people that would just wouldn't have had seen it. Because I mean, if you you can tell that by the way they uh, they uh, like do trailers for not like romantic comedy, for just kind of drama comedies. Like when that Help movie was out, they had that long theatrical trailer for that movie, which basically just told the story 
of that movie. Like you see this part. Those are the worst. Like rom like it, do, it does all the it does all the beats. It'll tell you the whole the, damn even like down do to all like the, the last beats. line well, of the there, movie. There's, like, no, yeah, it'll there's do, no big vistas to, to to capture though. I mean, you can't. Like, but it'll have do a space the. But it'll do. And, it doesn't yeah. mix them up though. It does beat for beat, and then it'll do like to the final beat of her driving away in her car. I'm like, oh my god, that's the end of the movie. That's the last shot. The very final moment. I swear to God, there are movies that. I can't tell if I've seen them or not because I may have just seen the trailer <laughs> yeah, it's and like the know Cliff the notes. whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to remember, did I see that? And you're remembering all these moments like, yeah, but I can't, I honestly don't know if I saw that movie or if I just saw the trailer and know the whole movie. You know, the the trailers for this new Star Trek movie were, were pretty good in that respect. Yeah, they were I, good. I didn't know anything about the Peter Weller character until yeah, I actually Yeah, because they knew they could the just movie. show you a bunch of random action. You knew that spaceship was going to crash, but you didn't know. Well, but see, but they, they even edited that in such a way to Deceptively, where like the Enterprise. Like they showed it yeah. crashing, and then they showed this triumphant yeah. moment of the Enterprise coming up out of the ocean. Yeah. They created a little story that wasn't real. But I kind of like that, because I kind of oh, like when they fool you. pretty cool. And I yeah, like because that way they haven't yeah. spoiled the real story. But see, I'd rather them do that because they did like that whole monologue in that trailer is not in the movie. Benedict Cumberbatch says, right? Like, doesn't he have this whole monologue that's in the trailer that I don't think is in the movie at all? Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe uh, it is. In I know the movie. what you're talking about, but I mean, what part of the well, movie is that? The... It's like a two minute monologue. I don't. Who knows? But I like when they make stuff for the thing and they make it's actually marketing for something, not just here's all the best parts of the movie, like. Because, I mean, the problem is that when they started making trailers without trailer voices and stuff, you know, the people, the movie voice guys and stuff, but they just had yeah. the action and the speaking had to speak for it, but you have to have some kind of narrative for that to make sense. So when they show those things... Uh, uh, I remember uh, reading an article one time about uh, that movie, Clear and Present Danger, which, you know, was a Jack Ryan movie from, uh, I guess, the early 90s or about. But they were talking about how they would shoot takes specifically for the trailer and there was one uh where they were talking about where james earl jones says there's never been a terrorist attack a successful terrorist attack on american soil this is before 9 11 that was patriot uh, games you know but and then the uh, harrison ford goes but i killed his brother like that but when you get into the movie yeah definitely they, patriot you know, games uh, james earl jones says the same thing but Harrison Ford's I Killed His Brother is much calmer. Right. You see that all the time. Yeah. Where you, yeah. and, and I wonder sometimes, too, like, in some cases, it does seem like they did it punchier just to put in the trailer, but you wonder sometimes if it's, they just handed this footage to the people cutting the yeah, trailer I think they did and they're that, picking yeah. these alternate takes. Because they're like, not well, done with the movie better. when they start doing that. So I mean, In the context yeah. of my film, which is this trailer, <laughs> you know, the, this take seems better. And Drives me nuts. They'll use takes that, uh, like, there are lines and scenes that aren't even in the movie. Well, you know, you're probably right about that. There's probably editors out there who pride themselves. I mean, who are trailer editors. Well, they are. They, they don't. They, they use it. Their work. The directors don't make the trailer. They, they trailer. They yeah. have companies that make just trailers. There's movies that the trailer is vastly superior to the film. They did the right thing. It's like, but you I can mean, tell Superman that, ones are great. The Man of Steel ones are awesome trailers. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That first one, it just shows them flying and oh my god. This is yeah, it. creatively, <laughs> I can't fault those guys for wanting to use that stuff creatively. It's like, yeah, that's a beautiful trailer. But, you know, the guy who made that movie goes like, you're an asshole, though. You just took all, I like, look how much work well, I put uh, um, into these scenes, and you got the same payoff in like a two-minute featurette. Leonard Nimoy tells a cool story uh, about that, uh, about Star Trek Three. 
you know, they were making Star Trek three and they sent off a bunch of footage uh, to the trailer people. And, uh, and then he saw the commercial on TV and the commercial on TV, the last line in it is the final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. And they show this scene, you know, from Star Trek Three when Kirk destroys the Enterprise where half the saucer section is blown <laughs> away. And it's and it's plummeting toward the planet. And he's, Nimoy's just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> he just gave away, you know, yeah. a major part of the movie. <laughs> because it's dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, damn it. That, that pissed me off, too. <laughs> so in Superman 4... Oh, yeah, Superman. Like, I love how we finally say, now we're going to do this Superman thing. <laughs> like, we've been well, just you, chatterboxes about Superman. You got a trailer You got a trailer mini-sode there. You can cut... You can cut and, I don't know. I think it's actually... I think it's Jermaine. You, could, like, you can I mean, actually talk about Superman because the way they did that first Superman movie, I wasn't, you know, where I wasn't alive then, 78, but... That you see all the stuff and all the history, like that they just had these trailers, like you will believe a man can fly, and it's like, yeah. oh my god, that's like that's mm-hmm. like real marketing and like showmanship, like doing People these. Still like, remember that? That's I remember. I remember yeah. seeing the one sheet poster for that. The, and you uh, start doing that stuff that makes it seem magical, and without actually showing anything, and it makes this big sense. Of, and they just don't do that, and that's what, I mean, it's just a. Uh, People get pissed at these movies now, but it's just a sign. I mean, this is how it happens. You're not gonna change. It's just a beast well, yeah. of a well, industry. Like I said, if it's going to get more tickets sold, that's the way we're going to do it. Like You can sit there and make an artistic argument against what we should put in a trailer and whatnot, but if it sells an extra ticket, we're going to do it. That's my point. It's like they're not going to – all they had to say was Man of Steel. It's like, yep. Yeah, for us. If we were smart, then – well, we wouldn't have been able to help it because I saw the Man of Steel trailer like three times in the theater. <laughs> you have to go late to every movie if you really wanted to sequester yourself. Yeah, and the ones in the theater were the best yeah. ones with all the stuff we're talking about. Yeah, I saw that on the freaking IMAX. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like it's in 3D. It's going to be so good. <laughs> and then like and then a 20-minute featurette of Star Trek. Like, here's the first 15 minutes of that movie. Like, Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> That's my, yeah, they show – I hate when they do that too. It's like <laughs> – my friend Aaron, that we went and saw Star Trek, he said that he was seeing some of, I guess, whatever, some movie during the Christmas thing, and they started, did that 10 minute thing. And he's like, Am I in the wrong movie? It's like, What? It's like, What? Because they just kind of start playing the 10 minutes of the movie. But it's not that a trick. It felt weird, too, like if a, I hadn't heard they were doing a Star Trek yeah. thing. Yeah, that would have been know, weird. I don't know why they do that for a movie that's going to be that big anyway. I mean, why do you. I mean, does it? Maybe you think that it's really, just all hedge and bets. That's actually, to see that ten I, That was an IMAX exclusive. That's actually to sell IMAX tickets. IMAX tickets because it works. Yeah. Because he's like, I want to see that in IMAX, and we did see it in IMAX. IMAX. We did see it in IMAX. But like, aren't you going to see the movie though? Yeah. I just think when there's yeah. I mean, it's a business thing. All these trailers and that, if you think about it, because like I said, it's like. They know they're going to have us, so they're just getting people. They don't care about whether we get spoiled or not. They don't care about our experience watching the movie. They just want to get other people excited about it who know nothing about it. It's like, this is why Superman, this is why Transformers is cool, guys. Look at this. Which is funny because there is a financial reason why they should hold back because, like we're saying, our Man of Steel theory is in part that people were a bit too informed as to some of the major emotional elements of the movie so they're desensitized to them and that hurt ticket sales because you get a backlash possibly of people coming back going it was as good as I thought it'd be and then you have some people thinking well I'm not going to go to the IMAX to see that then if it's not it looks the trailer looked awesome 
So there is a financial reason not to give away too much because if that initial backlash is non-plus because they've seen all the good stuff, then it is going to hurt the retention past the, the first that opening weekend. So there's, there's a science, that, there's studies they should be doing in that because there is a science to that as far as what should be revealed in the advertising. But there's a lot of nuances. That's a good place to put a pin in this discussion. The boys will return to complete this topic later. In the meantime, you can enjoy other episodes at tv8mydinner.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, group us on Google+. Join the discussion at forum.tv8mydinner.com. TV8 My Dinner Drinking Game Update. You must now drink anytime the boys mention Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Prometheus, The Hobbit, or Superman. You might want to work up your own house rules, just to pace yourself. At this rate you'll be drinking any time they say anything. Because of humanity's capacity for good, we have sent to you TV Ate My Dinner, our only podcast. If you don't count TV on the throne, or Venus Skytrap, or the YouTube vidcasts at youtube.com slash darkcrazytv, or the Apocalypse Party Book on tape, or the early Dark Crazy Podcast.